0: Welcome to another edition of our Thursday night class. Tonight we're going to Parashat Vayetzeh. <clears throat> and we're not going to get that far into the Parasha as I got uh, stuck right at the first Pasuk. Vayetzeh Ya'akum Be'er Sheva, Harana. Ya'akum Abinu leaves Be'er and he goes to Haran. Obviously, this is a continuation from last week's Parasha. Where we learned that Yaakov was in danger from his brother Esab, and if we had to flee, and he had to go to Haran ultimately to find his wives. What could be problematic with this pasuk? I mean, it's it sounds very very basic and very straightforward. But say Yaakov Shaba, he left What could be the what could be the problem with this pasuk? It sounds like it's a very easy pasuk that doesn't lend itself too much questions or interpretation. However, Rashi Kadosh is bothered with two issues. I'd like to discuss the second issue first. Then we'll go back to the first issue. Rashi is bothered. You don't have to say, All you have to tell us is, Tell us where he went. We know he was in Be'er Sheba. And the Torah doesn't tell us anything that's superfluous. If I'm saying that I'm going to Florida, I don't have to say, I left New York and I went to Florida. Everybody knows the rabbi lives in New York. Everybody knows Yakuba lives in Be'er Sheba. Especially when the Torah's words are at a premium, the Torah should just say, V'yeh le'charana, and, and that's enough. Why do you have to introduce V'yitzei So Nashi tells us a chitush on this. And he writes, Why do you have to mention his departure? tzadik osa roshe. That when the tzaddik leaves the place, he leaves a vacuum behind. There's something that becomes a deficient in the place. There's something that's missing. When the tzaddik is in the city, he's the splendor of the city, he's the glory of the city, he's the light of the city. When the tzaddik leaves, And therefore the pasuk has come along to say, but the Yaakov is not only giving us geographically that Yaakov Abinu left be'er It's saying that when Yaakov Abinu left be'er would never be the same. Something left with Yaakov Abinu, and the tziyah bet changes the changes the uh, changes the town. So the vayitziy is coming to teach me that. I had a question on that sheet. My question was, as a general rule. If Rashi could teach us a lesson earlier than later, he would teach it to us earlier. Was Yaakov Abinu the first Sadiq that ever left his town? Certainly not. Avraham Abinu and Sarah were told lech Why didn't Rashi tell us over there when Avraham left? Oh, the and Sadiq from a town makes a roshim. Why does he wait until Yaakov Abinu in order to tell me this? Tell me this idea. Unless there's a bigger Hiddush in saying it by Yaakov than by Avraham. What could be the bigger Hiddush by Avraham? They were both tzaddikim and they both left. And they both left the vacuum. So I saw a few interpretations to this. One says it it depends on the personality of the tzaddikim that you're talking about. Avraham Abinu, as we know, was very outgoing. Rabbi was a very, very public figure. He was very influential. He was very well-known. He had an enterprise of chesed. You can only imagine, Abraham and Sarah, when they were in the town, everybody knew their address. They probably were always hosting. They probably always had seudot. You know, you go to them on a on a Shabbat, it was probably Dirashot at Abraham. He was a great pontificator and a philosopher. So it goes without saying that when Abraham and Sarah left the town... Clearly, there was a void. You don't need the Rashid to come and tell it to us. It was obvious. Avraham and Sarah were such magnetic personalities of Hasid, So, when they left, for sure, they took all that splendor and all that glory with them. However, you might not have thought the same when it comes to Yaakov. What was Yaakov's personality? Yaakov Ishtam, Yoshev Halim. What did Yaakov do all day long? Well, he sat in his tent. And he learned, he wasn't outgoing, he didn't have any uh, chesed uh, uh, enterprise, he was a private man, I would venture to say, most people who were living in Be'er Sheva probably did not even know that Yaakov Abinu was there, you, you never saw him, he was already buried in the books, so you might have thought that when a Sadiq like Yaakov leaves the city, well he's not going to really make such a difference because even when he was there, nobody knew he was there. It's not like Avraham leaving the city where everybody says, wow, we lost a, uh, we lost a great, uh, a great man. So that's what that she has to go out of his way. That yes, even by a Yaakov, that's not well known. I think there's a story told, uh, that, uh, somebody went to Rav Chaim Oza and, uh, they were in Europe somewhere in the city. Maybe it was in Vilna. And, uh, he told Rav Chaim Oza, that uh, I was just in Vilna and I visited all the the great Saddikim and all the great treasures of Vilna. Rav Chaim Moses said supposedly, if you didn't go see the Hazonish, you didn't see the treasure of Vilna. Now at that time, the Hazonish was not known as the Hazonish. It was a young man sitting in his house just learning Torah all day long. And Chaim Moses said, uh, you didn't see anything if you didn't go visit the Hazonish, which means... Even the tzaddik that's private and minding his own business makes a Roshim on the city. And when he leaves, it's not the same city as well. So that could be a reason why that she waited to tell it to me by Yaakov as opposed to Avraham. I have another answer that I'd like to present as well. I saw these answers in the Sifarim. When Avraham and Sarah were in the city, how many other tzaddikim were with them, besides them? Nobody. They were the only tzaddikim. So it's clear that when Abraham and Sarah leave the city, there's nobody left. So therefore, it's not only a vacuum, but it's bankruptcy. There's nobody there. It's a spiritual uh, 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 emptiness. In Yaakov's case, how many tzaddikim did you have in the city? Well, you had Yaakov, you had Yitzhak, and you had So you have three tzaddikim. So therefore, you might have thought that when Yaakov leaves, well, he didn't leave a vacuum, he still have. Two tzaddikim. And Rashi's hindush is to come and tell us, yes, but three tzaddikim are better than two tzaddikim. And therefore, Yetziat tzaddik minamakom. Uh, the tzaddik that leaves the makom, even if he leaves behind two other tzaddikim, it's not the same place. When you have 500 guys in the yeshiva, and one guy packs up and leaves, it's not the same yeshiva anymore. Say, what's the difference. 499, 499 there's a difference. And that's why Rashi has to come out of his way and say, I'd like to go a different... Reverse logic, this is to show you how you can look at things uh, in reverse ways. The Kliyakar says what I'm going to say now. Why did Rashi wait for his comment to tell me about when the tzaddik leaves, that there's a vacuum? Why did he wait till now? Why did he wait till Yaakov Abinu? So he says that when the tzaddik leaves, there's a vacuum. Now, somebody has to be behind in order to feel the vacuum. And to appreciate that something is missing. So therefore, he says, in the case of Abraham and Sarah, it's true there was a vacuum when they left, but nobody felt it. <laughs> Which means, they left with the Nefesh Asher Asu Baharan. They took all their students with them. Whoever stayed behind clearly wasn't interested in Abraham Abinu's influence. They were the of the Avod Azara. So therefore, it's true when Abraham left, there was a, there was a void, but nobody, nobody felt it in the case of Yaakov Abino, when he left, he left back Sadikim. So it's clear that Yitzhak and the Rifka felt that the town was impacted uh, uh, adversely by the fact that Yaakov Abino. You know, therefore, he, he, he mentions it in a place where the Ziva and the Hoda and the Adara is felt. So that's the first interpretation of why the Pasuk has to say, Yaakov Shaba. So very good, I accept I then looked to see if anybody else deals with this issue. I actually saw that there's a commentary called the Tur. The Tur is one of the Rishonim. And he has an interpretation why the Pasuk has to say, If anybody knows how Yaakov Abinu traveled, he traveled by the same mode of transportation that many Tzadikim use, and that is called Kifitzat HaDerech. Tzadaderech means that they're able to have kavanot of certain names of Hashem, and then uh, they find themselves in a different place. Actually, I must qualify, Kifit Tzadaderech could work in one of two ways. Either uh, they uh, are transported to the place, or somehow the place is transported to them. Don't ask me to explain that. I just uh, uh, wonder how much more life would be oversimplified, living in Brooklyn with all the traffic... If we would have this method of mode of transportation called Kavitzat derech. Anyway, the Torah is learning like this. Yaakov Abinu left Be'er Shava. And guess what? Presto, Vayelech The Pasuk is telling us that there was not such a gap between the Vayetze and the Vayelech. And they go, immediately Vayetze Yaakov be'er Vayelech the Pasuk is coming to hint to us the fact that there was a kifitzat derech from Be'er Sheva to Harana. There was no, uh, 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 there was no separation. That, that's, that, that's what the tool writes. The tool says, Now, uh, according to, according to this, I saw the Mephashim stay a step further. Vayelech harana. Now, a little grammar for our members. Uh, harana could also be written leharan. So, if you don't want to put the lamed in the beginning of the word, you could put the he at the end of the word. So, I saw brought that in the sefer um, in the sefer uh, Nefesh David. He says, if the pasuk would have said vayelech leharan that would indicate that the Kipitzat Taderech was that Yaakov went to Haran. The fact that it says, V'yelech Harana, sounds like Harana came to him. And therefore we learned, not only there was a kipitata Taderech, but we learned the direction of the Kipitzat Taderech. But again, since I like to go many ways, I saw the He'emek Davar. He'emek Davar, it was a perush written by the Nitziv. The Nitziv is the Naphtali Tzvi Yehuda Berlin, and he was the Rosh shi'va of the Volajan Yeshiva. And he actually has a very, very beautiful interpretation to explain the Pasuk. We all know that Yaakov Avinu did not go directly to Haran. Rashi tells us that he made a pit stop. It's actually a very, very long pit stop. For 14 years, he stopped at Yeshivat Ever. Please do not make the mistake, there was no yeshiva called Shem Evid. There was two yeshivot. One was called Yeshivat Shem, and one was called Yeshivat Ever. Yaakov Abinu happened to study in both of them. That's why it says, Yoshev Ohalim. Sometimes he studied in the Ohel of Shem, and sometimes he studied in the Ohel of Ever. Maybe they were across the street, maybe they had different methods of teaching. But at this point, he checked himself into Yeshivat Ebed for 14 years. So there's a gap between him leaving Be'er Sheba and getting to Haran, according to this interpretation. And if you know anything about the Ta'amim, we learned it in today's daf that the Pasuk says, That in order to understand Pesukim properly, you have to study the Pesukim using the notes, studying the Ta'amim. Because the Ta'amim offer a deep interpretation to what the text is trying to convey. If you look at the Pasuk here, it says, 'er There's a note called an Atnach. An Atnach is a a pause, is a stop. In English, we probably would put a comma or a semicolon. So what is the Pasuk saying according to the He'emek D'var? Pause. A long pause, a 14-year pause. And then, And only then, he goes to Arad. So the Pasuk actually is writing to us and alluding to us that there was a break between the Bayet, Yaakov Be'er Shaba, Atnach, the then he gets the Haram. that's the final destination. I did see, just as the name is, if you take the words Yaakov Be'er Shava, well, the last letter of the word Shaba is an ayin, and the last letter of Yaakov is a bet. And the last letter of Mebeir is a That is Sofet Tevot Ever, which is hinting to us that he actually went to Yeshivat Ever. And where did he go? Well, he went to Yeshivat Ever. So that would be a third interpretation of the Pasu. Rabbotai, I did not come to say these interpretations. <laughs> I actually came to say something, something else, but I'm just reviewing what is known for our members just so we can get that. Uh, out of the way, and it's important to know the different ways of looking at the same pasuk. Everybody also knows the famous commentary of the rabbi called Betalevi by from the dynasty of Brisk, and he came along and said, "If you remember in last week's perasha Yaakov Avin was commanded both from his mother and both from his father to go to uh, to get out of town. If you look at the way the gives the commandment." She says, you must leave Be'er Sheva because your brother wants to kill you. So you got to get out of town. It seems that Rivka was more concerned that he leaves. Wasn't so concerned where he goes, just that he leaves. Whereas when Yitzhak Avinu speaks to Yaakov, he says, go to Padan Aram. Because it's over there, you're going to find your wives. So it seems that Yitzhak was more concerned, not that he leaves Be'er Sheva, but that he gets to uh, Padan Aram, to Haram. And therefore Yaakov now is in a dilemma, because he has to fulfill the will of his mother to leave Be'er Sheba, but he also wants to fulfill the will of his father to go to Haran. So what does he do? He has kabana for both. Before he leaves Be'er Sheba, what does he say? I am now about to fulfill the B'Tzav Kibud Em. And once he leaves Be'er Sheba and he gets his way, his footing set to Haran, and that's why the Pasuk says, So that's why the Pasuk what the to tells us that he had Kavanah on the exit and he had Kavanah on the, on the entry. So that's, that's the way he learned. I will tell you that there was a sefer called Pa'ana, uh, Pa'anayah Raza. Check it up, And he comes along and gives a remez that he says, Yaakov Abinu ultimately went to get married. And in this pasuk, there's a the remez that he went to get married. Where do you see the remez? Yeah. He left the Shava. Now, we're thinking that he left beth-sheba because he was in danger from his brother. That's what it looks like on paper. His brother wants to kill him, got to get out of town. But the Baal Shem Tov teaches us that a person, uh, his footsteps are preordained from God. That a person is placed where he's supposed to be for his destiny. So although you might see different reasons that we can give why he left, But ultimately, God has the reason why a person should be where he was. So if you ask, why did Yaakov Abinu ultimately leave Be'er Sheba? Not because of Isab, because he had to get married. That was the purpose. Now, Isab is the, is the, is the, what we we have in front of us, but that's not really the, the cause. The cause is, uh, uh, has a purpose of getting Yaakov from point A to point B for his own destiny. And that's why if you look at the Pasuk, Bayetseh Ya'aqbir Shava says the pa'naya'razah. What's the last letter of the word bayetzeh? Aleph. What's the last letter of the word Ya'qub? Bet. What's the last letter of the word Mibiir? Resh. And the last letter of the word Shava? Ayin. Well, that spells the word Alba. That the reason why he left Ba'ir Shava because he had to go find his four wives. So the rabbi asks, well, then why isn't Arba written in order? Why is it out of order? He says because he got his wives out of order as well. <laughs> he was supposed to take Rachael first, but they switched to Udam and Leah, and therefore not only is it telling us that he went for Arba, but he went for Arba Shelok keseder, that it was out of order. So the Zedem is actually in the Pasuk, what he was going to do. Finally, before I get to the, uh, to the main Entree, uh, what I came to talk about tonight. I will present to you what the Gaon Mvilna said on this Pasuk. He had a question. Again, all these questions are too many words in the first Pasuk. Not necessary. So the Gaon uh, is saying that if the Torah wanted to write it precisely, without using extra ink, the Pasuk could have said like this, Yaakov shaba le'haran." Simple. Too much. And that would be fine. What's the? So the Gaon comes along and teaches us a very important lesson that when a person is traveling, he needs to have protection. And the Gemara comes along and teaches us in Birachor that before a person travels, uh, it's a mitzvah to speak halakha to the person that's traveling. The Gemara says, It seems that when you talk the halakha, the vre Torah will protect the person. You, know, you want to leave the person with some type of uh, spiritual protection. So today you see them give him a dollar. Shali'ah mitzvah, give it over there, bring it back. But in the olden days they followed the halakha. They would speak the Vre, not the Vre Torah, the Vre Halacha. And the Gaon, the Vilna's custom was, and people still have this custom today, that before somebody would travel, he would tell them, Yahid ve Rabim, Kerabim, which is a law that says, if there's an argument between the Yahid, the individual, and the Rabim and the, the multitudes, and the, the majority, Halakha <speaking in Hebrew> Kerabim, which we say in America, majority rules which I thought to be a very strange halakha to tell somebody uh, who's not a judge, who really is not sitting, not in the minority and not in the majority, it's not a halakha, le if I was giving a halakha, I would even make an easier halakha to tell somebody before he travels, it's the same halakha that we say on the table in order to fulfill the Torah. And that is, Mayim aharonim chodat. there's two advantages of that. Number one, it's only three words instead of four words, Yahid, Barabim, Malachal Karabim. And number two, it's more practical. I'm assuming that the guy who's was traveling is was going to eat. And therefore, you're giving him a good reminder. Don't forget to make my maharonim. And it's a it's a the Torah, it's a halakha. Why did the Ga'on specifically choose this halakha, Yahid, Barabim, Malachal Karabim, which seemingly does not have any application or relevance to the traveler? It's a halakha for judges. Not halakhah for for common folk. According to this, according to this, not in the front row, in the back row. <laughs> the back row, not in the front row. According to this, the Gaon Mavilna explains something beautiful. Hashem has many shemot, and certain shemot are used for certain situations. Now. You don't know all the Shemot. We know the Yud Kevav elokin the Shem the mezuzah, but there's many Shemot that people are not aware of. And one is the Shem that protects the traveler on the road. And one should have a Kavana using the Shem. So I'll have a, a Shemina. And where does it come from? It comes from the Pasuk, Ki Mal'acha Vyesavellach Veshmurcha bechod and Achecha. Levine says in Teilim that God should Accompany you with his angels. The shmurcha bechod ra'chicha says the gaon. If you take the last letters of ki, ki is a yud, malachav is a vav, ki malachav yitzaveh is a he, lach is a chav. There's a shem kadosh called yud vav he and that's the shem of shemira Baderich. and that's the shem that's used when a person travels. And that's why the Gaon the Vilna used to say the halacha Yahid ve'rabim halacha kerabim, because it's the Tevot, of the Shem of the Shemira, of Kim Halakha Mishabelach. He didn't say, May Maharonim chova because then you're not going to get the element of the Shem Kadosh, so he would bechaven. Yahid ve'rabim halakha kerabim, is bechaven the Rashi in order to give the traveler that element of protection. Now one of the first... Uh, major travels that we have in Tanakh is Yaakov's travels. It's the longest travel for sure until this point. He's not going to come back from this trip at least for two decades. Even Abraham when he traveled, it was a short trip and he came back. It's Hagabinu never traveled. He stayed in Edith Israel basically his whole life. Yaakov Abinu now is Vayetzer. He's going to go on a long journey. Says the Gaon, he definitely would need the protection Avakadosh Baruch Hu So the Pasuk says Vayetzei Yaakov Be'er Shava It should have said Lecharan Instead what does it say? Vayelech Harana Look at this Lecharan to Vayelech Harana What extra letters did the Torah write By adding Vayelech Harana Well Vayelech Well the Lamed we need The Lamed could have been there anyway Lecharan So the Lamed is an extra the vav is extra of Vayelich, the yud is extra, the khaf is extra, and the heh of harana. The extra letters in the pasukah are actually the yud, the vav, the heh, and the khaf, which is the shame of Shemirah Baderich. And therefore the Pasuk is hinting to us by saying Vayelech harana, that Yaakov Abinu also was Mechaven, the shame of the Shemirah Baderich, and therefore, He was under the protection. So that's another reason why the Pasuk was written. So we have reasons according to the Pshat. We have reasons according to the Kabbalah. Everybody's weighing in exactly how to explain the first Pasuk. But there's a bigger problem with the first Pasuk. All these rabbis are coming to try to explain, now that we have the Pasuk, how do you you learn it? What's what's it coming to teach? But the real question is, (coughs) You don't need this Pasuk at all. Now, I wasn't here last week, as you know, but we still read the Parashat Shavua, nonetheless. And if you remember, at the end of Parashat Toledot, the Pasuk clearly writes that after uh, Yaakov receives the blessing, yeah. Yishlach Yitzhak et Yaakov, Yitzhak sends Yaakov, yeah. Padena Aram. He went to Padan Aram. So, I mean if you read the parashah correctly, by this week he's there. He's at Padaranam already. So what are you coming to tell me? Hold it. That's that's last week's. Now, sometimes they have in the movies when they want to give you the sequel, so they give you what happened last week first to to continue. But there's not a movie over here. So therefore assuming that we didn't forget what happened at the end of last week's parashah, assuming that our memory is, 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 can, can last longer than a week's time. Everybody should read the first Pasuk. We're talking about, he's there already. He did that already. What's the Pasuk coming to, uh, to tell us? Now, Rashi deals with this question. You're not going to like his answer, but he deals with it. Now, she says, yeah, it's like the sequel of the movie. Because he says, it's true. It's said by Yelich Padena Aram, but something happened after that which might take your mind off of Yaakov's travelings. Ishmael, uh, uh, Esav had a wedding. He went to Ishmael to find a Shiduch and he got married to Mahalat. And that happens right after the pasuk tells us about Yaakov going to Padan Aram. Yaakov's going to get married, Esav's a copycatter. he says, Oh, my wife, my father doesn't like those Kenani girls, and I married a few of them. So I'm gonna go take some, uh, some girls that maybe my father will like from the family. I'll go to Ishmael. Fine. So since there was a, uh, uh, a break in the action where we interrupted Yaakov Abinu's Padan Aram journey with Ishmael and Isab making a, a merger, so the Turana has to bring us back on track. Forget about Ishmael and Isab. Let's go back to the story. It's Yaakov hey, Shava. Back to, the Shaba, back, to the, back to the, back to the ranch. So it's le right? davar That's a simple, we expect that sheet to go in that way. It's pshat. But I would like to offer a beautiful interpretation from a rabbi called the Bina La'itim. Who was the Bina La'itim? It was a rabbi called Rabbi Azariah Ficho. He lived in the 1500s. And he was a rabbi in Venice, Sperati, of course. And originally, he went to study to become a doctor. And eventually, he said, "Doctor is not for me. The sciences are not for me." And he quit school. And he ends up becoming one of the greatest Talmudists uh, of his time. Uh, he would write in one of his books, uh, "I left my girlfriend for the love of my life." which he meant to say, his girlfriend was the sciences, but he left it for the love of his life, which is ultimately the Torah, Kedusha, and he comes uh, and he writes a few sefarim, one of them is Bina La'itim. Now the way he wrote that book was, Kedushim on the Perashat Shavua, but he wrote it in speeches. So it's derasha Aleph, derasha Bet, derasha Gima. What I'm telling you now, you can see it yourself, is in Bina La'itim, Derashah Yud Dalit. And it is a classic. Let's see what he says. Anyway, let's read a little more in the Perashah. It says, Yaakov, And all of a sudden it says, he gets to the Makom. Gets to the Makom. The place we know ultimately was the place of the Bet HaMiknash. What happens? He plans to pray. All of a sudden, God sets the sun prematurely. And therefore, Yaakov Avinu says, I'm not going to travel by night. I'll go to sleep. Why did he go to sleep? Because it got dark. And therefore, this was a natural uh, 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 behavior. Get gets dark. You don't want to travel at night. Yaakov clearly was worried about some wild animals, so he put some rocks around and said, Very nice. And then he has the dream. Now, all of you know the dream. The ladder, the angels going up and going down. And then all of a sudden, in the dream, the following happens. Pasuk Yudgima. V'hine Adonai nisab alaf. God comes over him. V'yomar. Ani Adonai Elohei Avraham Avicha velohei Yitzchak. I am the God of your father and your grandfather. Ha'ares asherata shuchim aleha. The land that you are on. V'cha etenina. will be given to you, Uzar'echa. Furthermore, you're going to multiply your children. You will be flourishing in all directions. Behold, I am with you. And I will protect you and guard you. In all of your journeys. Not only that, I will return you back. You will return home. I will not leave you. You will have all the protection, guaranteed return home safely and soundly. You can't get a better dream than that. Uh, this uh, dream over here is basically God promising Yaakov that he has nothing to worry about, that all will be good. I want to fast forward for a minute. You heard the dream. It cannot be more clear than this. Next week's parasha. Yaakov Abinu is going to make it away from Lavan, so you see the dreams coming true. Lavan was a dangerous guy, and Ami and he makes it. And now he's making his way home, and he's almost at the finish line. And God's word will come true, Vashivoticha, and you will be returned home. And all of a sudden, he gets a news flash: Esav's coming after you. Hesab has 400 chieftains. And he has a major, major army. There's going to be a war. He's intending to kill you. This is what Yaakov abinu hears. If I was Yaakov, the pasuk should say, and Yaakov laughed and said, I don't care if he has 400 or 4,000 or 400,000. <laughs> I have a kamia in my pocket from God. And the kamia says, you have nothing to worry about. I will protect you, I will bring you home, and all will be fine. And they will go tell Esav, go jump in the lake. That's why go tell Esav. He has the dream. Instead the Pasuk says, Yaakov yeah. me'od Yaakov Abinu is very afraid, not just afraid, he's very scared, and he's worried. And I'm saying to myself, what, "What are you scared? What are you worried, Yaakov? You forgot the dream. I mean, it's hard to forget such a dream, where Borj Olam basically is guaranteeing your protection. And therefore, what, what are you scared about? It saves nothing. Why should Yaakov have such a reaction? This is the question of Rabbi Azariah. Uh, a feature. Why is Yaakov so concerned? After he received the Beracha. Furthermore, let's go back to our story. What happens after the dream? Now you're going to be shocked from this Pasuk. The Pasuk says, after the dream, right after the dream, yaakov Yaakov woke up from his sleep. I'm glad you told me that because I didn't know what he woke up from so the Torah says no it was from his sleep because you have to tell me that because if I come to you and say I woke up this morning at 8 o'clock your first question is what did you wake up from exactly and then I say oh my my sleep (laughs) oh well I'm glad you clarified that because it's very vague when you said you woke up I wasn't sure if it was from your sleep or from something else I mean obviously when you wake up you wake up from your sleep what does the Pasuk have to say? But you catch Yaakov, Of course Mishenator. <laughs> and the, especially when the Pasuk came along a second before and said <coughs> that he slept. So we know he's sleeping. So if he's sleeping and he wakes up, there must have been sleep in between. So therefore he woke up Mishenator. Very, very, very important. And Yaakov's reaction, at this point, is off the charts. If I was Yaakov Abinu, after such a dream, I would wake up and say, "Hodu Donai Kitov, Olam I would have a smile from ear to ear. I just received guarantees that I needed protection, Shemirah, return. But Yaakov Abinu is not so convinced. The pasuk says in half, Yaakov says. You know what the word im means? If. if. Exactly. If. You know, if God will, will do what he said, and he'll be with me, and uh, he'll protect me, and he'll return me home. What do you mean, if? <laughs> you just got the dream over here. Now, I would expect God to be very angry at Yaakov Abinu like he was angry at Avraham. You remember when God came to Avraham and he gave him this whole prophecy and Avraham, the tzaddik, asked one question. Bama'ida? Bama'ida? You're asking questions on the prophecy? I told you you're going to get it. You ask me how you're going to get it? Your children are going to be slaves for 400 years. So you, you, you're really not allowed to show any skepticism when you receive a prophecy. Now, this is more than skepticism of Yaakov basically saying, I'm not sure what just happened, but listen, if, if it comes true, then, you know, I'm going to reciprocate and give Maasin. What do you mean if it's going to come true? Yaakov, it's clear that he remembered the dream, obviously, because he, he, he repeats it verbatim. But what is the word eve? Why is it an email where there should be no doubt what took place over there? This is where the Rav begins a very, very important thesis. I'm sure that all of our members, uh, at one point in their lives, have had dreams. People dream. Now, how would you know when you have a dream? if your dream is a dream, or is it prophecy? How would you know that? There has to be some uh, telltale signs where the person gets up and knows this was not just a dream, this was something more than a dream. Now, even if you say, oh, what do you mean? But I dreamt that there was a yeshiva, and I, they put me as the Rosh Yeshiva, and I was giving a... So it's like a very spiritual dream. So it must be. This is divine. I said no. Maybe you were thinking about it during the day, and it's a figment of your imagination. Just because you dreamt God speaking to you, uh, uh, that's a dream. At the end of the day, how do you know that that God speaking to you was actually a revelation of some sort? This rabbi comes along and says Yaakov Abinu wasn't sure when he woke up. If that was prophecy, or was halom. And for good reason, he says. You know why for good reason? Let's go through the signs of how prophecy works. Most of the time, a prophecy is given under the following situation. When a person is sleeping. But usually it's an induced sleep. That God will put the prophet in a certain trance because that's the best mode to be in to receive the prophecy. It can happen when a person goes to sleep, but that's, 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 that's less common. The more common prophecy is when the person has his full faculties and he prepares himself to receive the revelation and therefore God falls on the prophet like a like the Imam refers, like an epilepsy of some sort, where he falls to the floor, and now he's like sleeping, and then he receives it. In this case, Yaakov Abinu went to sleep, because he went to sleep, ki Hashemish, So he wasn't preparing himself for any sort of prophetic vision here. He went to sleep. So therefore, when he wakes up, he says, I don't remember you know, having any, uh, you know, a... Uh, 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 moment where I, I fell a, into, a, into a, a prophetic spell, I tied, I had a pillow, I put it on my, 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 some pillow, a rock, and I went to bed. Furthermore, to receive prophecy, you have to be under certain uh, emotional state. My mother, he writes from the Gemara, and it'll be on tomorrow's Dafa Yomi, whoever learns the Dafa Yomi, that a prophet has to be, number one, happy. And he has to be at ease. Something that Yaakov Abinu clearly was not. He's running away from his brother. He's leaving his father. He just got, uh, uh mugged from, uh, from, Eli- from Elifaz. So he has no money to his name, which is another prerequisite of prophecy. The Gemara will say he should be Ashir. So he wasn't Ashir. Was not clearly in the state of Simha. Furthermore, it says, that in order to have the prophecy, you have to have your mental uh, faculties at a very high level. You have to have a strong level of da'at and chokhmah. And the first thing Yaakov says when he wakes up, Banuhi lo da'ati. And then when you see that the da'at was compromised, so no money, no da'at, limited simcha. Then the da'at goes on to say something else. Normally, when it's a prophetic dream, <laughs> when it's a prophetic dream, usually, right when the prophecy over, the person will wake up. And the proof of that is by Paro. The pasuk says, cats. He had the dream of the cow. Boom! He woke up because that's that was the whole purpose of him going to sleep. Once you got the uh, 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 the vision, no, no purpose to sleep anymore. In Yaakov Abinu's case, what does it say? He sees what he sees, he hears what he hears, but it doesn't say vayikats. It says vayikats Yaakov Mishinato. He woke up from his sleep, which means he didn't get up till the alarm clock rang, whatever time that was. He didn't get up immediately after the vision. So Yaakov I Aminu mean, calculating that as well. If it was a prophecy, once I see it, it should be enough. But I woke up on time this morning, which was after the vision. By Yaakov which is an indication that maybe what I saw is not really a prophecy. This is a big douche over here. That The way this rabbi is looking at Yaakov at this point over here, he is misupak. And you know why else he's misupak? He says the Torah is telling us on Pasuk one from the Shah, it's setting us up to understand why Yaakov would be in doubt if the prophecy is a prophecy or not. The first Pasuk is putting us on the, on the, on, on the, on the Derich. Why? Where is prophecy primarily, uh, received? In Eretz Israel, Eretz Israel is where the Wi-Fi of transmission for prophecy is the strongest. You don't receive prophecy in Hutsla although there are exceptions. But as a general rule, Nivuah is not given in Hutsla Now Yaakov Abinu, in his traveling, is traveling away from prophecy. He's going from Eretz Yisrael Be'er Sheva to Haral. That's a direction that as he's traveling, the further he travels, the less bars he has on his prophecy phone. Uh, because as you get closer to Hutz you are going to have less chance to receive a transmission. And even in Eris Yisrael, if his direction is outside to, to leave, it's as if he left. I have a proof to that. Because you're going to tell me, what do you mean? He was in Israel. When he had the dream, he was in Israel. Amen. But in God's eyes, God's looking at Yaakov, you're not in Israel. You're leaving already. And the proof is, you remember what he saw in the dream? He saw the ladder. What do you see in the ladder? Angels olim veYoredim. Now she's bothered. When it comes to uh, gravity, uh, we say what goes up, must come down. Uh, but not when it comes to angels. When it comes to angels, uh, angels actually don't start from <coughs> the ground, they start from the heavens. So shouldn't the person say, Malaché Yordim Ve'odim? Why did it say, Olim ve'Yordim Bo? That's Ashish's question. And as she says, well, there was a change of guards here. Because Yaakov Abinu had angels escorting him. These were the angels of Eris Yisrael. And now that he's leaving, those angels went up, and God sent down chutzla'aris angels to escort him. So olim is the malachim of Eretz Yisrael. The yordim is, which means in God's eyes already, he's out. He's out already. Said, we look at the GPS, where are you headed to? I'm headed to Haran. you headed to Haran? You're in Haran already. Angels, no need to escort this man uh, in Israel. Bring him the chutzah artists, angels, stamp his passport, he's already, he, 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 he passed he pass border control, he's out. So therefore, the pasuk in the beginning of the pirash, which incidentally is a side point, a side point now, that explains on Friday night, when we come along and say the shalom aleichem, which I always had this question, we come along and we say, Shalom Aleichem, Aleichem Asharit. Welcome, angels. Leshalom. Welcome, please. Leshalom. Bless me. And then all of a sudden, okay, Besedchem Leshalom. See you later. Yeah, we didn't even serve the gefilte fish yet. And, and all of a sudden, you're telling the angels over here, you know, say Habashabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. What kind of, what uh, kind of over here? Explanation is, because the tzaddikim have different angels. We have angels that escort us during the week, and we have angels that escort us specifically on Shabbat. Like the Gemara says that when a person comes home from synagogue on Shabbat, he has two angels that are escorting us. Those are the Shabbat angels. So therefore, what we're doing on Shabbat is when we enter the Shabbat, especially when they enter it immediately, we say, Bo'achem le'shalom to the angels of Shabbat. Bet'setchem le'shalom the angels of Hol. That are leaving, we'll see you on Shabbat. And that's what happened over here by Yaakov Abinu. The angels of Eris Yisrael, they left. The angels of Chutz Ares came down, So Yaakov Abinu's telling us from the beginning, the Pasuk, yeah. Yaakov left Eris Yisrael to go to Chutz Ares. Get that in your brain from the beginning of the parashah. That's going to be the key. To understand what he's going to say later on. When Yaakov's going to wake up from the dream and he's going to say, If this was really something, then yeah, and if not, what do you mean if? Because he was leaving Eretz Yisrael. And therefore he was questioning if this could be a prophetic vision, knowing that when your mindset is outside of Eretz Yisrael, it usually is not a prophecy. So they were the first over here. sets up the whole the whole story with the, and now we understand what happened later on. Yaakov Abinu is leaving, he's on the way home, almost at the finish line he can see the, and he's saying to himself, it must have been a prophecy it's coming true. I survived Lavan uh, I'm unscathed Ushmarani God said he's going to bring me back to my father's house I can see where my father's house is. And at the last minute, he gets news, 400 chieftains, aesavs coming after you. And all of a sudden, Yaakov is vayira. Now that shouldn't have happened. Says my Fitcho. And Yaakov Abinu himself was shocked at his reaction. Why am I afraid? If I'm afraid... That must be an indication that there's reason for me to be afraid. And therefore that dream was a dream and it wasn't a prophecy. And therefore, and as a result that he became afraid of the situation of his, he was worried that now retroactively that image or that vision that he had was not a prophecy, it was a dream. That, that's what worried him. Because once he's afraid, then he's in trouble. He might not make it home. All this is for one reason, but says the Rav. There's another uh, midah that a prophet has to have, which is mentioned on tomorrow's daf as well. Which is the most important of all the midot to receive prophecy, as the midah of Moshe. It's the reason why Moshe Ibn was the greatest prophet, because he also had the greatest midah of what, of humility. And Yaakov Abinu is, uh, is right up there with his humility. Because Yaakov Abinu can find every excuse why he doesn't think it's a prophecy. I mean, take t- guys like us. If we have a dream right away, we can't wait to come along and say, yeah, even though it might not be prophecy, it must be the HaKodesh, it must be premonition. And who are you to get a prophecy? You're, 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 you're nothing. Uh, we can't wait to come along and, and, and give the impression that we're mystical and we have all sorts of powers and it's a coincidence. Hashem came to me and he's telling me and I saw the window shut and the door slammed and I knew it and I saw that. We can't wait to give a, an implication as if we have powers. And Yaakov Abinu, who is the most qualified to have these powers and he has a dream and God comes to him in the dream and what is Yaakov's reaction? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. If you don't know, then nobody knows. And that's what probably makes Yaakov the most qualified. Because his anava is so great. That he's are saying, Well, listen, maybe my mood wasn't perfect. Ah, I lost my money. You got to be in Ashir. I don't know. I'm leaving Eris Israel. Ah, not sure. hey, why don't you go the other way, Yaakov? You're Yaakov Aminu. There's only three like you. Avraham, Yitzhak, and Yaakov. You're you're the rarest breed of of its kind. And the ship's coming to you in a dream because you deserve it. The furthest thing from his mind, Yaakov, was looking for every excuse to say, maybe not. (laughs) And that's the biggest proof that maybe yes. His anava is what made him worthy. And therefore, even at the end, when Esav comes to him and he's afraid, right away he says, You see, I knew it was a it was, it was a dream. Why am I afraid? Must be Snake <laughs> Yaakov Abinu. Maybe you're afraid for, for other for other reasons. Maybe your fear is you don't want to kill your brother. Well, who knows what the fear is? But ready, right Yaakov Abinu, he doesn't need too much of a reason to discount and to come along and say, I'm not as great as you think. Ah, I dream like everybody else. But the Pasuk ultimately comes along and says, it was a nevuah, And Yaakov, you know, ultimately overcomes Esav. And whatever Hashem told him came true to the T, because it was a nevuah that he received that day. And all those concerns of Yaakov was just Yaakov being Yaakov. As they nicknamed him, Yaakov Katan, Yaakov, the small one, that he's Makteen himself. But, <laughs> and, and, and he can convince you to think that maybe it wasn't. And even when he says, And everybody goes, uh, That's Yaakov Abinu being the tzaddik that he is. Anybody else would have no doubt, including the reader, until we until we experience this Rabbi feature, nobody ever thought that this was not a prophecy. We always read it for all these years, assuming God told it to him. And why did Yaakov say Im? We don't know why he said Im. Uh, that, that word doesn't have any place. But it's a prophecy. And Yaakov knew it. But he didn't know it. And he didn't believe it until it actually materialized. And the setup for this whole dirash is, Since Yaakov was traveling away from prophecy, he was traveling from to Chutz that's his mindset. That puts it in his brain that probably not the vision that they're all talking about. It was more... Like, uh, you know, something that I was thinking about during the day and came out in a dream. And that is exactly how we could see the Derashot. Look at this, how we take one Pasuk. We take one Pasuk. And that's why it has to repeat it in this perasha even though it mentioned it in last week's perasha In last week's perasha it's just mentioning, he went. Okay, he went. That's uh, geographical. Here, it's giving me a reason why his reaction in later on is going to be what it is. It's it's different, different purpose. It's not written to tell me he went from point A to point B. That I know already. But here it's giving me the mindset that since that's going to cause a reaction in Pasukach, it's setting us up to learn a deeper explanation to his reaction to the dream. No matter how you want to learn the first pasuk, whether you want to learn like Rashi, Vayetze Yaakov, when the tzaddik leaves, he leaves a vacuum. Therefore it's coming to tell us that. Or you want to tell us that there was not too much space between the Vayetze and the Vayerech, because he used the magic carpet of and the Derech. Or you want to go like the Nitzim that says, actually, the Ershava has an Atnah. To tell me there was a pause between Be'er Sheba and Tahara because there was a 14-year gap. Or you want to tell me like the Panad Azaya, Bayetzei Yaakov, Be'er is Esofet Tevot, Arba. To come and tell me that he was going to take his four wives, not in the order that he intended. Or you want to go according to the Rishitav, the Gaon, Vilna That says Be'er Sheva it's coming to hint to us the Shem Yohach. Which is the Shem of the Shemira al aderech which is the extra letters in the Pasuk, or according to the Betalevi Levi, that Yaakov was a stickler when it came to Kibud Abba Em. Vayetse Yaakov e be'er Shabba afi kibud Em. Vayetse HaRana kibud ab. Or, it's like Rabbi Ficho told me, that the Vayetse Yaakov e be'er Shabba el-Kharana is telling me that Yaakov was following a direction to bring him further from prophecy. And because of that, it would affect his mindset when he would have the real prophecy, but that Sadiq, I should say the humble Yaakov doesn't see what everybody else sees. And therefore he's skeptical when he wakes up and he's not sure if it's gonna happen. And even next week when he's Vahira Yaakov be he says, You see, I told you I wouldn't be afraid if it was a real prophecy. And that worried him, because if it's not a real prophecy, he doesn't know if he's going to survive or does he deserve to survive? But ultimately, he deserves. And Yaakov Abinu uh, obviously received the Ushmartikha and he also received the Hashim. To me, the are very nice. But the real takeaway from a derash like this is: look at the the beauty. You could take one pasuk in the Torah, and you could turn it so many ways. And I ask the listen, who's right? They're all right. They all, they're all make sense. There's so much elasticity in the Torah, which goes against is a great misconception that people think that Torah is a rigid, a rigid science, a rigid study. They come along and say, "Oh, those religious people—they you know—they're very uh, close-minded." On the contrary, mathematics is close-minded, because one plus one only can equal two. That's a very close-minded, rigid study. You can't have two answers in math to the same problem. But in Torah, Shav'im, Panim, what type of book that you could take one pasuk and it becomes like a kaleidoscope where you can look at it this way and every time you turn it, and I want to make one more point. That you shouldn't think that just because we exhausted six or seven options that we have finished our dirash, on my paper I have three more that I found, and that indicates to me that there's probably, well, three more is ten. That means there must be at least 60 more that at least we were able to find, and they're all as beautiful and as elegant as the ones we said. My prayer is, God should continue to open our eyes in order to see the wonders and the beauty and to see the tapestry of how all these words, a simple passage by Yitzhak, when you leave the class, what do I talk about? What, what, what could you say about? And, and, and the answer is, what can't you say?